girl looks good. Play on, 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 play on. She's got class and style. Play on, play on, oh, oh, like, like the way it works. I got to back it up. Wow, Blenheim, look at you. You're amazing. Give yourselves a massive round of applause. Packed out. Packed out. Uh, thank you all so much for coming tonight, and thank you to the Woodburn Tavern for hosting us. Um, Stacey and her brother managed to... Um, change this room. There's some lovely um, housey members that are very disappointed tonight, but uh, they're over in the restaurant. But you would not have been able to fit in the restaurant. We had no idea how many people would turn up, and uh, it's standing room only again, which is um, a pattern that is happening. So it just shows you how many people want the truth and uh, how many people want to reconnect after Wellington. How many of you went to Wellington? Well, we'll let you off because there is a massive body of water in between here and Wellington. I so, ask you, did the one? oh yeah, who went to Picton? Yeah! <laughs> You're so often forgotten, eh? <laughs> so yeah, um, this tour is all about reconnecting, and let's not forget the amazing. Um, effort you guys all did put into Picton and so many of the south, the south of the south, the deep south also made it to Picton. Um, it was such an incredible event. We, we got to um, experience Picton and we saw what you guys did there and it was actually really phenomenal as well. Kelvin? No. What was that? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did well. Uh, thanks for that from the back, uh, back seats there. Um, this tour has been amazing. It's actually, for a guy who doesn't really have that much emotion. It's actually been heartbreaking to see the carnage that's been caused and mainstream media not covering any of it. Um, they're describing everything that's, all the adverse reactions from jabs is long COVID now, you've heard that. They've got monkeypox waiting in the wings ready to jump on you as you walk down the street. Just like the deadly pandemic was dropping people like flies. I know I didn't see it either, but that was the, that was the narrative. Um, we've, we've experienced a whole lot of hate from government, of course, which is expected. Uh, mainstream media trying to take the piss out of us. Best advertising we could get. Um, and of course, uh, every mainstream media outlet trying to call us conspiracy theories, important ideology, you name it, the list is great. But the one thing they've failed to do is attack us on any facts and evidence we've brought. Now we got an email just recently from Chris Porirua, and um, he said, Calvin better check his facts, the virus has been isolated. No, Chris, it hasn't. It hasn't, Chris. It was done in a lab. There's been no virus isolated from any patient anywhere in the world. Check your facts, get your evidence. So, so, so we, we always take a poll now at every event. Um, we ask these polls because you are the real numbers. Not the massage, cold, common brunt and polls and all that sort of crap, but the real people on the ground. So you can ask the poll questions and we'll let's check out the crowd. All right, okay, the first question is, 
how many of you yourselves have had an adverse reaction from this thing they're calling a, a vaccine, experimental jab, potentially a bioweapon? Okay, no, none of you have had an, an adverse reaction. <laughs> Oh, right, that's true. Okay, how, <laughs> that's true. We won't ask how many of you have actually had it because that's probably, yeah, we don't want to put you on the spot, but how many of you who know somebody else who's had an adverse reaction? Okay, okay. keep your hand up while these cameras go out live. Jacinda, there's your poll. Yeah. These are the real people on the ground that you seem to overlook and call a river of filth. Okay, and I just want to ask the cleanest looking it. filth I've seen. That's for sure. We'll just ask in the reverse, how many of you don't know anybody personally who's been affected by the jab? Okay, so there's maybe about two or three people that don't know somebody personally. In a room of probably over 100, that's massive. Um, and how many of you know somebody who has been, well, died of COVID-19? Anybody? Brought back to life? Okay. Interesting. All right. Okay. So a lot of people are now going to be experiencing long COVID apparently. And it's long COVID that is apparently causing myocarditis and pericarditis. So that's a little bit ironic given that... They're trying to blame it on people that get COVID. That's the reason why they're having all these symptoms because they've had COVID now. So and yeah. here's the problem. The if a virus has never been isolated, how the hell do they know what the hell you have? Remember, influenza took a two-year break. It's now apparently back after its big OE and it's ready to strike once again. So if they haven't isolated it, what the hell were they inoculating against? What were they trying to vaccinate for? And because of all these um, uh, adverse reactions, they started calling... Delta and Omicron and all that sort of stuff, yet they had the boosters and everything already manufactured in the wings. So what are they vaccinating, or what are they uh, boosting for? Every other vaccine we've ever had stopped us from getting it. Exactly. It's not a vaccine by any stretch of the imagination, that's why I refuse to call it, we just call it a jab. That's yeah. right. Change the definition twice now, I think. So um, we've been hearing a lot of stories as we've been travelling down the country. Um, as yeah, you can see at the back there with the bunting, if you've got a story that you'd like to share, um, adverse reaction or death, um, or you've lost your job or you've lost your freedoms in some way, we're trying to create a visual storyboard so that, you know, and it gets longer and longer, obviously, as we go. So please do that. The other thing is if you'd like to tell your story on camera, please um, tell the girls down the back as well and we'll get in touch with you to do that. I would like to share one story that has really touched my heart. Um, it's very um, heartbreaking. Yep. Uh, in Taupo, a lady called Marta Phillips, she told us that her husband has been incarcerated since the 8th of December. Um, he has not had a trial. He has not been charged. He has been denied bail twice. And he was very vocal about his thoughts about COVID-19 when it first started and he researched into it and found that he believed the mainstream narrative was false. Uh, he then went through a, oh, well, he, he did a protest in Taupo. He got harassed by the police after that. He then was not able to go through a police cordon to get to the supermarket. Um, and he, you know, when they questioned him, he said, well, we still want to live in a free country, don't we? We don't need the police questioning us everywhere we go. 
Uh, in the end, he did acquiesce because he just wanted to go to the supermarket. The third time the police came was after he'd been wearing goggles and a snorkel and a life jacket. Um, the story was, of course, when you'd go through Taupo with it, was that he's wearing the life jacket so you don't drown. <laughs> so, um, pointing out, obviously, the stupidity of the whole mask-wearing mandates. And then, of course, the police turned up at his house at 7 o'clock in the morning, and the last time his wife saw him was in handcuffs in his pyjamas. They didn't even let him get changed. And we are helping her. We've got her in touch with some really good lawyers now, and uh, her friend Danielle is going to start a um, fundraising campaign so that they can cover the legal costs. Um, she's still It's unclear as to why he has been taken, and there is some sort of, um, what's the, what is it? The damaging of, of, of... Sabotage. Yeah, and also the damaging of property, though. What was the other... How do they describe willful it? Willful damage. Yeah, willful damage. So we don't know the exact charges. We're trying to find that out. But in, in any case, he um, he's you know he's an author. He's got two two or three degrees. He was running his own IT company. He's in his 60s, never been in trouble with the never. police. And um, he is now not only in remand, so in no man's land, but he's also been put in high security... Um, the high security wards or whatever you call it because they were getting annoyed with him and he got put into a cell with um, a murderer, a guy who, or an attempted murderer. The guy had tried to kill somebody with a um, dialysis cord and that guy was denied his medication and actually wanted to try and kill Graham. Um, and so then there was also apparently COVID going around, so Graham was removed and put into solitary confinement. Um, and he was denied access to uh, the outside. He had a hole in his window, and that's how he was getting his fresh air. And he wasn't complying with mask mandates, and he's being punished in jail. So um, we're trying to just raise awareness about this story. Uh, we've got it on our Telegram page, so if or, and we're on Facebook now as well. So if you can, share that story just to get it out, because um, if this can happen to Graham, then this can happen to any of us. So we need to find out exactly what's going on and how we can give him um, a fair trial, a fair um, time in our judicial system. Would you agree? Corrupt as hell. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, of course, all the the national MP, I think it's um, Louise Upton from uh, Taupo, basically passed the buck. The corrections minister passed the buck. The ombudsman's not really doing a good job, so he's definitely got the odds stacked against him. And uh, his wife, Marsha, was actually told by the police that she was not to speak about it to anybody. And that did intimidate her for a while, but in the end, she's now said, now stuff it. And she sought us out, and uh, she decided that Counterspin was the platform that she wanted to share her story with. So we're going to do the best that we can to just get that out there and make people aware of it. Yeah, without a doubt. As you know, we oh, sorry, the Queen of Blenheim wants to <coughs> say something. Matter. Marta yep. said, uh, so finally they said to her, well, okay, you can come and visit him in prison, but you have to be triple jacked. Mm. Oh, you have to be That's triple right. jacked to go and visit your 
Yeah, so if you couldn't catch that, the um, prisoner is saying that Marta has to be triple jabbed to go and see him. She is only allowed five minutes per week on the phone. Um, she can email him, but he cannot email back, and her emails sometimes take three to four weeks to get through, um, and he can only write back. So they're really making communication difficult between the two of them. But the good news is, like we said, we've got them in touch with some good lawyers, so tomorrow they'll be having that conversation. So At hopefully... 10:30 that will be a good start to get things rolling. Yeah, it's going to be good. Because their first lawyers couldn't cope. They just, they, it was too much out of their, it was beyond their level of expertise, I guess. So, yeah. May I? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> She's the boss. I just have to be quiet until she's ready. Um, we've had a lot of controversy, of course, around in us and the things we say. Um, and I don't mind that. I don't mind taking the hits for that because, we, like you, I, I want my questions answered. I want to see the unredacted Pfizer contract they've signed us up to, where they're going to expect your bodies to be the hardware and the jabs to be your software upgrade every year. I want to, I want to see the isolated virus, which doesn't exist. We know this, it's just in a computer. They've used the false PCR test, as you know. PCR test not fit for purpose. They then found some old RNA dead remnants of some crap put it through a computer, and then they got the best results money can buy. People like Baker, Jackson, that pink-haired witch Susie Wiles, and who's the other cretin? Please, Hazel. Yeah, but, but yours looks lovely. She looks like Zelda off the Terrorhawks. Who's the other one? Jackson, Rod, Baker. I don't know. Rod yeah. Jackson, Michael Rod, Baker. Rod, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Bloomfield. Yeah. Oh, what's he? he was because uh, we, we heard he was looking at taking on one of those regions, the new, uh, the new regional, regional health boards. So it's um. So it's, speaking it's about controversy, though, Calvin, I don't know. Did anybody here watch the live from Wellington? Okay, Wellington was absolutely amazing. Uh, Wellington is, of course, the woke capital of New Zealand. But uh, we th So we weren't quite sure how many people were going to come, but we packed out the room there. And at the end, there was a little bit of controversy that Calvin did want to clarify uh, at the Blenheim event. So, Calvin? Yeah, it was basically we're, myself and the gentleman who was one of the speakers, the Māori man, um, we, were paying, we were basically saying the exact same thing, but from two different perspectives. So I may have been able to articulate it a little better, but is that an apology, is it? No, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Clarification. All right. Him and I had a good conversation afterwards. He's really nice. I mean, he's trying to do his damnedest to work in the background and actually help change things from within. Because we know we've got police and military from who are current and former who are actually getting together. They don't like what's going on. They have your back and they're just trying to um, topple the um, powers that be up above them. Because, as you know, shit rises to the top. And once we get rid of them, then the real cops can actually start doing their job. Now, we know there's a lot of good cops that have been affected as well. They, we have the evidence. It's an abundance. So someone should just start arresting some prick. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If, I, if I can be pulled off the street for a suspected breach of COVID rules, then surely they can for bloody murder. Because that's exactly what they're doing. They are murdering people. Yes. Exactly. Awesome. Firefighters are another one who have their have their ass kicked by these clowns. I mean, 
A lot, a lot of people, they took the jab because they honestly believed it was the right thing to do, and, and a lot of them were coerced. They didn't want to take it, but it's just like, how do I feed my family, keep the bills, uh, wolves from the door? So they think, okay, I'll take one for the team. Imagine how they feel now where it's not going to stop. This was all a farce. It's a complete con, and everyone is being told you must buy into it. And now, of course, from the 22nd yesterday until the 28th, they're over the World Economic Forum deciding your future. And basically, little and that is about to sign away as a member state writes to the uh, World Health Organization to dictate what happens when the next bullshit pandemic runs down the line. And it's coming. But it's just a conspiracy theory. Nothing to see here. Yeah. You are now no longer conspiracy theorists. You're conspiracy factualists. And Michael Baker even admitted it this week that uh, he agreed that powers and resources should be given to the World Health Organization to respond to the next pandemic. Here's another one. Like the Medical Council who have been trying to smash the New Zealand doctors speaking out with science, the New Zealand lawyers speaking out with science, all the people who have been eviscerated with their careers because these cretins are trying to um, push this global narrative, they should all be up on charges right alongside of Dern and hapless Hickens and all those other minions. In fact, every one of those 120 members of parliament by their silence was acquiescence. They all need to go up on charges. You need to clean the lot out. Start taking back your school boards, start taking back your local councils, if you can prevent the vote rigs, of course, because that is an abundance, it's all over the world. I mean, who the hell would have voted that Australian dickhead in? No way. Exactly. His mum, maybe, but that's about it. Although I think she's on the fence. So, um. Some of you who've been following since Porirua may also know that Dr. Matt Shelton, after um, you know winning against the medical board heat, they are now trying to revoke his um, practicing certificate again. Yeah. On the 15th yeah. of June, he's expected to be re, um, re-suspended, mm. <clears throat> pending more investigations into how, he, how dare he tell the truth. But there is exactly. good news um, in regards to the uh, obviously the the lawyer uh, the. The Defence Force and the police won their case uh, to stop that the, ma the mandates were deemed unlawful, and then you'll know that the government was then wanting to challenge that and appeal, appeal it. it. Yeah. But as of yesterday, they have now dropped that case. Yeah. So that's a win. So, so now we just need that for the teachers, the healthcare workers, the firemen, and everyone else who, who looks after us. Yeah. Real people are going to start coming back into vote. Yeah, so we really thank you all for coming. Yep. Um, we could be he up here all night, but we've got a great lineup of local speakers uh, that you will all enjoy listening to, I'm sure. So we'll hand over. Um, yeah, and we've got to thank Carl, the lovely musician. Let's give him a round of applause. Yes, and our beautiful MC for the evening is Rachel Ruby. Give it up for her. And we'll have a rant later. turnout I just want to take one second to my TikTok friends did you get all that you're gonna start creating that content shit like tonight all right I hope you're screen recording <laughs> all right so I'm Rachel I'm a local I just live out around the corner um, I'd like to say thanks to the Woody uh, for all this mandate crap they did not um, treat us any different you know they couldn't let us into the restaurant but they let us into the retail bar to buy booze because you know I quite like my vodka um, and then I could get my takeaways from there as well and um, they just treated us like normal human beings as they always have so I just want to say thank you <laughs> now before I go on I will say if any of you are offended by me tonight please don't think you're special 
pissing people off these days is an art the form that I have managed to master quite well since spinning food. So I'll just carry on. Wear some concrete pills up at the bar later if you need them. <laughs> right. So I've been asked to just talk really briefly and somebody's going to wave out to me at my eight minutes because I could just keep talking. I think that's why they got me along because I've got a lot of words not going to run out. Eight minutes, you can let me know. Perfect. So I went to Wellington and um, it was exciting. It was so cool. It was like no masks. It was so much love. There was so much freedom. People were smiling. I'm like, wow. And I remember one time in particular, I was live streaming most days, two dads standing there in the sun. One had his baby in his front pack. The other one, dog, at the floor. They're just sitting there having a chin wag. And I was like, I've not seen this shit for two years. You know, like it was just so much normality that we've been missing out on for so long. And there was so much of that. It was amazing. The dawn raids, not so much fun, I will say. I'm one of those um, unlucky people that got arrested on the last day. Didn't go down too quietly, I will say. <laughs> I did joke. I was in Picton like the day before. I was like, I just, I just decided I'm going to go to Wellington tomorrow. People go, please don't get arrested, please don't, because they all know me. Go. Don't worry if, they, if I get arrested, I'll be allowed to arrest the last mouth bitch around, so look out. And what happens last day? <laughs> so I've plastered that all over social media. Anyway, um, it was interesting. We had been under a lot of psychological warfare for a very long time, um, almost every day. You probably heard Mallard's crap over loudspeaker. Um, we had a dawn raid that particular morning of the last day, so we'd been fighting that, and then um, it started up again. I happened to go back to the house and staying at and have a shower, Got out of the shower, one of the housemates said, oh, it's all over. I went, what do you mean? He goes, Rachel, it's all on fire, it's all over. I went, no way, I won't repeat the words I said exactly. But he goes, no, no, mate, it's over. I went, show me. He shows me the live stream of Chantel Baker's. And I went, nah, you got to get me in there. He goes, there's no point. I said, you've got to get me in there right now. So I'm like doing my makeup in the, in the van on the way in. Got to the front line down the bottom. Cop goes, nah, can't go in. I went, why not? And he goes, you can leave, but you can't go in. I went, fuck. <laughs> I went running out around the corner. Jump fence and I was back in again, so <laughs> <laughs> live stream. <laughs> um, but yeah, straight away on that front line that I was on there, I watched a guy get taken out right beside me and he was just walking along and the cops literally grabbed him, pulled him, knocked him out. We go, he's unconscious, he's unconscious. Didn't care, they were still dispatching into him. So my video, when I was arrested, I was live streaming, had close to a thousand people on the live stream and I didn't know if they could see what was going on or not. So anyway, I'm going, they're kicking me, they're kicking me. They could see it, you see them go like this with your boots. And this one woman ran me a shield down into my stomach while I'm on the ground, yelling something at me. I'm going, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. And then she goes, oh, you can't hear me? Sorry. <laughs> there we go. Do you can I take this out? Perfect. So anyway, she's, um, she's ramming her shield into my stomach while I'm on the ground trying to yell something at me. I'm going, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. And then she goes, whoomph, with her shield. And I'm like, bitch! <laughs> so they took off. Next thing, I'm sitting there going, what's going on? And I'm trying to gather all my stuff. And then there's more cops coming over, and they start dealing to me. I'm going, I'm not doing anything. I'm not resisting. Anyway, pepper spray in the face, um, quite beaten up by that stage in the day, and um, put in the fridge. I don't know if you know what the fridge is, but the fridge is like this metal box that you have to sit in this van while they arrest everybody else. Um, got taken to the station, released that night. They stole my phone, my sunglasses, my tripod, mysteriously vanished, still don't have the back, uh, but just left me out on the street 
With a trespass notice saying I couldn't go back to Parliament or surrounding streets, I didn't know anybody there. I didn't have any phone numbers. I had no phone. And I have to say it was pretty scary. It was a pretty scary um, feeling to just go, well, what do I do now? Like to start walking. And this beautiful woman came and picked me up. Um, that she'd come in to see if anybody looked displaced. So um, somehow she collected me up, she took me back to where I was staying, and it's gone on from there. Now, it's been interesting because they created a court date for me in Wellington, which they didn't notify me of. Uh, so I had some popo turn up to lay me to rest one night. <laughs> one day it was the first time. So within 30 hours, I had three visits from them coming to try and arrest me, which means lay to rest, with a war rent. Now, a warrant, a war rent, as an offer of war. I didn't really feel like taking them up on that offer. Like, I'd just go to the shower the first time. I was like, didn't make an appointment. <laughs> like, oh, I'm not answering my door. You know, quite simple. Came back that night, and um, they came back, they wanted to go through my house and look for me. So I, like, boosted out of a bedroom window, parkled some fences, only had my stockings on, ran into another house around the corner. I was like, excuse me, they're going to arrest me. Can I hang out here? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> so, so I waited, messaging my son. And, um, yeah, so anyway... Went and packed my staff, boosted over another fence, <laughs> took off for the night. Um, and my knee at the time. Thank you, three minutes ago. Um, so then I had some time to think about what was I going to do. I could either go into the court and lift the war rent, but I decided, nah, I'm going to face them. So I waited for them to turn up, three of them that night, seven o'clock, seven o'clock, around eight o'clock maybe. And um, 35 minute standoff with them at my front door, saying, Rachel, there's no negotiating here. We're going to arrest you. You're coming with us. So I went, no, I am not under arrest. I do not consent to your policing. I refuse to buy into your contract. You've been trespassed from my property. You need to leave. Two trespass notices and a verbal. I'm going to try and make this real fast. Um, if you want to see it, it's on my Facebook page. <laughs> I did video it. Um, so anyway, that carried on. I went to court. The judge lost his shit straight away. And actually, now's the perfect time to say, because we used to put this stuff in the Gazette, like public notices. So right now, this is my public notice, because I'm on live stream and wherever else, I'm in front of you guys. Judge David Ruth, I'm putting him on notice of perjury. Um, he has acted in two roles in the court. He was a bit emotional. I probably should have asked if he wanted to take a bit of a moment to compose himself at the time, but I wasn't really thinking that along those lines. I've had some amazing people who are here tonight as supporters for me, and they've um, written in some, some letters of complaint, which is awesome. The registrars have been blocking me from putting in my evidence to my file. Um, that is obstruction of justice. It is also being complicit with the crime of perjury. So there's a whole other part I've got to do there. He's, um, he's forbidden me from adding any more of my evidence in. Can't do that. It's a free country. I'm a free living woman. I've separated myself from the dead legal fiction of the birth certificate. So if you don't know about that, there's a whole other thing we can talk about another day. But um, Wellington Court, I went up there. I learned a little bit more about my rights. So I walked in, and uh, they called their name. On the second call, I went, excuse me. Uh, can I see the paperwork just to make sure you have the right one before you? And I said, oh, oh there's no paperwork. I've got to rush through because I've probably got a minute and a half. Anyway, I walked in. I was like, attorney, do you know what that means? Actor to turn. They're acting a role to turn a verdict for that day or to turn a result. So when they said to me, how do you want to plead? And I said, does this court claim innocence? No. You have to plead guilty or not guilty. I went, it doesn't accept innocence. And I knew they wouldn't, but the gallery needed to hear that. Um, and he said, I'm going to deem not guilty. And I said, no, I don't want you to put down not guilty, same as the Blenheim Court. Uh, but I've gone on through, don't ever stand in the dock. If you have to go to court, 
do not stand in the dock. That's where they park you, they charge you to stand there, and they fine you. They make you pay money. So I went straight through the gates. Went, oh, you don't mind if I share this table with you, do you? To this lawyer. <laughs> and she's going, oh. I went, oh, great, because I've got a lot of stuff that's going to be really helpful. So like, I'm, thinking, I'm playing my own role, you know. Anyway, as we go through, and the, the, the guy says to me, um, have you got the disclosure in front of you? And I went, I have got the discovery. And he said, some of it's been redacted. I said, well, it shouldn't be, because I've demanded full, full discovery with no redaction. I'm pretty sure it's in my email. I went, oh, okay. And I said, and by the way, that discovery is lacking in evidence. I think you should throw this out of court immediately before the prosecution further embarrasses themselves. <laughs> Didn't quite work. <laughs> i got to go back. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, they said it wasn't the day for that. And I said, you mean to tell me I've flown all the way from Bledham this morning and I'm not even going to get to go before a judge? This has been a complete and utter waste of my time. And the lawyers are all going like this. The gallery's getting all loud and the registrar's like quiet in the gallery. Anyway, um, I've got to go because I'm like getting <laughs> my time's done. Like I keep going for hours. But um, this, is a, this is a situation where I know that I have to do this in the public because I have to be one of the voices to help show people what your rights are. Because we... We've been brainwashed for so many freaking years to believe that certain things have to be a certain way. That no, we are free men and free living women on this land. Right, I'm going to go to the next speaker. Thank you. Thank you very much. So first up, um, we've got Dr. Fred Timmerman, who is Picton semi-retired dentist. He's going to discuss his experience in the last two years and the new direction that he's taking. So we've got Dr. Fred. There he is. There he is. Found him. Awesome. It's all Thank yours. You. Thank you. OK, good evening. Freedom friends, welcome. I actually just wanted to come here to listen to all your stories because I'm really interested in how you're doing. And I love to see that there are that many around here that are in my realm and, and, and feeling at least some of what I'm feeling probably. And I know they're there because we have met before, but I haven't met so many already. So I think, yes, something is growing. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm really excited. Yeah. Well, and a special thank to, uh, thanks to Hannah and Kelvin, because I actually saw their first Counterspin Media uh, online. And I thought, finally, there is someone who understands. Yeah how we're being fucked. <laughs> so many episodes followed and they became friends and I must say, yes, go on with this. Yes, this is the way. We need a channel for freedom thinking people because it's just... It's, yeah, it's just what I it's just what this country needs because no one actually wants to stick his head out of the average compliance and so he is training. <laughs> <laughs> 
Very good. I have two grandsons myself and I'm training them every day and they are now in that phase where every day they ask about a hundred times, why? <laughs> yeah, they do that when you're three, four years old. And I think that's what exactly what was me. And, and, and I never stopped asking that. And you're not allowed to do that anymore, I think. It's just amazing that... Um, Oh, let's start with the start. I, I, I don't want to, to make it a long story today, but I'll give you a, a short summary of where I started. And Counterspin was part of that. There were other moments in which I thought, how can this be? I don't believe it. I think everything that I have learned about vaccination myself in dental school, and of course I'm a doctor, and I'm not a real one because I'm only a dentist. And they're not real doctors. We're not seen as real doctors by the rest of the medical world. Doesn't matter. I'm one of the few that actually always want to know more in depth and whatever is available on information. And that made me more and more natural thinking, holistic thinking, looking at materials, using materials that are more natural. And you cannot always avoid all certain type of chemicals because I'm not saying you can totally do that but I do believe that there are ways of creating health in such a way that actually the only people you need to get old is maybe a tiny filling now and then because yeah all those chocolates were just too good to be true <laughs> but I think like almost like a massage therapist or people who work with energy, etc., could do an awful lot and you don't need any chemicals. Because we are being hijacked by an industry that is mainly based on chemicals. It's all about chemicals. And most people don't understand that in essence, this world since about the 1900s is built on chemicals. And it's the chemical industry that creates the fertilizers. It's the chemical industry that creates the sprays. It's the chemical industry that creates all the food additives. It's the chemical industry that creates nearly everything in the food industry these days. And then in the end, when it all comes together and your body does not react so well to all these new chemicals, they create, well, uh, medication and once you have medication um, then they came up with an even clever business model you can create vaccines yeah and vaccines are not other than another set of chemicals in which they thought they would use a very clever idea and when you read and read and read and go really deep down the rabbit hole then you find out that vaccines are a bit different than what they seem to be and I'm not wanting to go in that today because in essence I think you're all educated about that enough here if else you weren't here but I'd like to create or at least give me my ideas of solutions and at least the ones that I think that I should follow because yeah I believe that I should create a kind of separate or maybe more balanced um, idea of healing, but even in this total 
realm, I would like to see that people heal in a way that they come together and that they actually feel something that all our hearts are saying. Something is wrong and we can create a more beautiful world that our hearts know is possible. And that's what it is in my heart. In my heart, and I think all of you have the same feeling and a lot of people who are still on the fence are feeling something is wrong, yeah? We are being brainwashed, we are being hijacked. Okay, a little bit about me. I am a seeker as you have already found. I am a holistic organic grower. I am Dutch, but I am not growing that. <laughs> I'm on, on at the moment. Um, I emigrated here 15 years ago and I really love New Zealand. Like that really existing pioneers mentality, especially on the, on the South Island. Do it yourself with, help, with some help from some friends and neighbors and just tell jokes about the government. <laughs> when COVID hit, I thought, well, this time the government must be joking. <laughs> um, setting aside all the normal infection guidelines, which I know, uh, and the precautions, and just lock me up. It just didn't make sense to me and many medical colleagues. But when I did some more research, I actually recognized a historical pattern in these coercive efforts. Um, because I remembered that there was lots of fear mongering in the early days of my dental school about hepatitis B. We suddenly had to do all kinds of shots and whatever because that came up. And after that, I was already a bit like, hmm, HIV came in. And only then, I think, in the government and in different layers, there were still enough experts that were like us and were saying, okay, we cannot push this too far because people won't accept it. But they have been working on it step by step to get us where we are now. Anyway, I was working too hard anyway, so I did some take some time off during lockdown and I started writing a book about my art of minimal dentistry. Um, well, the book is still not finished. A lot happened. <laughs> the theater became a bigger joke every day. I began connecting the dots and visited many deep rabbit holes. I learned a lot and I connected with 40 doctors to write a letter to the government a year ago. This resulted us in creating the New Zealand Doctors Speak Out With Signs. and I helped building the website as a source of independent information. 
this was highly necessary as I, as well as other colleagues, were getting threatened day by day by the medical and dental councils to keep quiet about that more beautiful world we know is true. Three times they were after me, and before the 15th of November, when the healthcare mandate came in. And I decided to go on, this, on sabbatical leave to search for solutions. I had a good moment because two of my staff members that were very dear to me both wanted to leave. So that meant that I didn't have to let them um, go into the dark. Okay, time for a little bit of feedback. How many of you have seen the NZD SOS website? Yes. Okay. So for those who haven't, please have a look. It's NZD, New Zealand Doctors, SOS.com, not NZ, because this wonderful government has actually hijacked the .NZ website and created a whole whatever on it. Right. Did anyone here use the self-help that for early treatment that is in the website? Okay. So if you do get the money box, <laughs> or something else that is close to maybe a cold or a flu, then there are some really handy guidelines in there. So you can actually work out with a set of simple, pharma not pharmaceutical, but in essence, um, supplements on how to work that out without imme immediate need for ivermectin of all these other things. But that's still another way to go. If you actually do not get far enough with that, then you could go to the helpline that is on the website and there are more than 10 doctors available at the moment who are helping you with a consult for a COA to help you find solutions if that's necessary. They're mainly working for those people who have vaccine damage at the moment, but they're also available for anyone who needs to have some extra help. Well, for me, I'm actually creating something that we could even do some dentistry there and give advice on dentistry. However, in most cases, people think, well, I'd rather have a direct filling or a tooth pulled. So I would say, yeah, then you have to find a solution. And for the moment, I don't think it's too bad to find any dentist doing that. However, the NZDSOS is creating, um, at least we are in Marlboro Nelson, with five dentists that are not working at the moment, creating and even building solutions at this moment where we could hopefully help people in the near future.
Good. Well, I don't want to make it too long, so I'll skip a few things. <laughs> um, I have solutions. The two ways I'm looking at it. It was especially Kelvin that made me look more into common law. And as you just heard, you gave a perfect presentation how you do it when you go to court. I personally think you could better not go there at all. <laughs> I'm not sure I can avoid it. Maybe after today I will be there soon. <laughs> I followed for a while the KOD, Kingdom of David, which is also one of the counterspin or multiple counterspin um, uh, episodes. And I must say, there are really good things in there that you can learn as well. And there's two things. I mean, there's common law, which is really handy to have a tool set when you need it. Yeah. Equity law is another tool set, tool set that has actually been used by the kingdom, which I've been studying very intensely. And I think it could be really good, but I'm not sure it will work. Because the, the, the whole dependence of everything, and you see when we went to court as well as the NZDSOS, is that judges will still have their own interpretation of everything. Yeah, And when there are maybe not so neutral as you might hope, <laughs> then in essence, it could well be that whatever law you're following, they don't really buy it. So then is the big question, who has the biggest gun? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So going to war is maybe not the best solution always, although I was really part of this whole convoy. I was in it. I went to Picton, and I never went to Wellington. <laughs> because Picton in itself was already so beautiful. Oh, I live in Picton. Wow, this is happening in Picton. There's never anything happening in Picton. <laughs> I still feel you can do something going to war. So write notices of liability. And I want to let you see how to do that. Because I want to show you how to do that. Because I sent one to the CEO of the Dental Council. After they had been after me for three times about, well, I was telling the truth. That was not the idea. So I said to her, she's actually called Mary McKay, dear Mary. You have been notified to make it clear that I have entered, entered my individual mandate of non-consent into the public record through the Ecclesiastical Court for the Kingdom of David, the House of Peace and Society for Life. I note that you have not responded in the manner I have asked you to. <laughs> I have respectfully asked you to deliver proof of your authority over me, living man, Frederick Martin. I am missing this information. I have respectfully asked you to have your superior to co-sign all your and all your own correspondence in wet ink. I'm missing this. 
that they only send emails. For lawful reasons, I can no longer accept any correspondence without the above-mentioned details delivered. I have noticed neither you nor your superior, Mary McKay, are delivering any remedy in your respective letters about your breach with my contract, as stated in my notice, dated January. I read this acquiescence, silence, as you negating your contractual obligations. Until an equitable solution has reached, I pause my contractual, contractual obligations. But it is with joy that in my celebrational 40th year of my professional career, I am able to start consulting again for my tribe of freedom-dedicated living men and women, women who highly appreciate care from an experienced, facts-free professional. They have all become members of my Kingdom of David, the Vida NZ Private Contract Association, working with the same vision, basic concepts, and universal laws, following the code of ethics and conduct of the Wakwinenga Kanuhera Health Council, and as such creating an example of the more beautiful world we know is possible as is shown on the grounds of Nelson Square here in Picton and at the Parliament grounds in Wellington. Let me emphasize that the evidence of direct post-vaccination harm is so overwhelming that anyone denying this harm professionally, and perhaps defining this as misinformation, will now look complicit in the biggest criminal act against humanity in living history. <laughs> This moment in time will be decisive how future generations will judge our, your, possible lack of due diligence and actions. But perhaps we still have to dive even deeper in ignorance and darkness to find our way back to remembering the more beautiful world that deep in our souls we all know is coming. I trust a moment of sudden awareness and redemption is still possible for all of us when we choose freedom over fear. Yes. Thank you. I don't know about you guys, but how proud do you feel if it's you, if you, you've just realised that like NZDSOS is thanks to someone local? Like, yeah. That's amazing. All right. They, they don't like to send replies, Fred. <laughs> All right, I'm very pleased to uh, welcome our next speaker, um, Tina. Now, Tina's a, speak, uh, a teacher. I'm a teacher at one of my girls' schools, actually. Um, she's going to come along and speak about the effects on mandates, what's happening now in Blenheim, and some solutions. So we've got Tina. Welcome. I think that's about it, yeah? Um, I might cover some of that. I might not. It depends if somebody can help me. Have we got Mia in the audience? 
Oh, good job. Right. Because I might call on you at some stage. Okay, so thank you, Rachel. Yes, I'm Tina. Um, Katrina, Margaret, Mary, Connor, actually, but we'll go for the <laughs> nickname. And I'm um, fourth generation Mulberrian. So um, a mix, that means a mix, and I'm a mix of um, Irish, Lebanese, and European, um, and a Kiwi. And so like all of you here, I'm living in New Zealand. Um, and I've, you know, with New Zealand, we've got a government system there that no longer works for us. Not at all, and it doesn't serve us. So it's the system that needs changing. If we get rid of labour, we haven't got much better following because they are listening to um, overseas, they're listening to the world as opposed to us. Um, so, like Rachel said, I'm a teacher. been teaching for about 25 years or so. And when, the, um, when I found out the mandates, they were going to put mandates on our profession, um, you know, I did some soul-searching. Um, about 27 years ago it was when I first looked into vaccinations because I've got four children and do I, you know, inject this um, unknown concoction direct into my kids' bloodstreams. It was quite a radical thing to do and I was never one to just um, trust in um, the medical profession, certainly the nurses and doctors, but, you know, the pharmaceutical companies that are making the billions up there, you know, I just um, wanted to check. And so I asked the Ministry of Health and I got a, um, a few graphs and it showed um, where MMR or whooping cough or whatever those um, combinations were, the vaccine was introduced here and the diseases went down here. And I thought, oh, well, looks like it works then. Why wouldn't I? And then when I went online back in the day when Google did show more than <laughs> what they do now before they were censored, before they sold their souls to these companies, um, I had a look and there were um, scientific research from the medical journals. And so the graph was well before where the vaccinations were introduced and the, the diseases were coming down due to health and hygiene. They were coming down. The vaccine was introduced, maybe a bit up, but carried on. So then it made me think, was I purposely misled by the Ministry of Health? And, um, and so the more I researched, the more I thought, I'm not going near those pricks. <laughs> and so, um, so I've got four healthy, unjabbed children. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> until bloody COVID come along. So um, when my principal said, so, you know, what are you going to do? I said, I'm not sure. He said, what? He said, you just get the jab, wouldn't you? And I said, um, well, I'm not sure because um, I don't think they work. I think they'll be harmful. There is treatment. Um, and I don't think it's about health. And um, I knew I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> I just wanted to stall it a little bit so I could get my reasons out there to try and spread the word. To be fair, I've had a very supportive school. He didn't agree that we should be mandated. Um, he signed a petition to say that uh, it shouldn't be mandated. Teachers should maybe have a test, all teachers, if they were that worried. Um, so must be tough for those who have gone through their job and not supported. It was hard enough. For me, having to tell the kids, because that's why I teach, because I love the kids. I've been with them for three quarters of a year. So for me to have to tell them that um, I'm not allowed back um, on Monday and um, and I don't know when I'm going to be back, that was really tough. That was really devastating. 
and um, we've all been through a lot of that discrimination now. I mean, there's people who I know there and I know other places, and including my own previously unjabbed children, not all of them, thankfully. Um, they, were, they were stuck between a rock and a hard place. They loved their job. Um, they don't want to have to leave. They're young. They, they need the money. Such a mean, mean thing for our kids to have to make that decision. It just sucked. And um, I couldn't blame, blame them. So there were people who, they didn't want it. They didn't know what the heck was in there. And, and they, had to, they felt they had to do it. And it wasn't just for the 50-buck bribe or the haircut or the hamburger. You know, it was for, the, for their job. And that, you know, so those people, it's been tough. Those people who have, um, you know, you've missed funerals, we've missed weddings, we've, we've lost some friends. And some families have been, it's been divisive, which is really harsh too. I mean, I cannot mention the C word with my family. You know what C word I'm talking about. I wouldn't dare swear. But, you know, there's topics that just, if you bring them up, it's going to be a bit of a awkward or conflict, conflicting conversation. So those things have been, they've been awful. Um, going to a supermarket and getting those disapproving looks because you don't want to cover half your face with a bit of cloth. And you get these kind of, you know, just constantly. And the, and the, <laughs> and the, I try, I try and smile. That's what I try and do. And, you know, if they give me a disapproving look, I smile and cross my eyes. <laughs> um, and wave to the little babies because I think, oh, mama, mouth like you, you know. Um, you know, but we've all had to deal with it. There's, there's other things. There's worse things. Like I don't know how husbands and wives or partners do it. God forbid, should have my fella not agreed with me, that would have, that would have been bloody interesting. <laughs> but um, thankfully, there's so much information out there. So, um, you know, all of that to be, all that discrimination we've had to put up with takes our, a bit of our peace and joy away. It's been, um, in short, hurtful, really hurtful. And I don't think people should have to go it alone. And that's where the positive side comes in. The positive energy, the new life, we haven't had to deal with it alone. People have come from wherever to support one another. It's been awesome. It's like um, people have rekindled their passion for life. And, um, you know, their, their passion is kind of based back to the basics on, on love and justice, you know. And so, you know, we started doing things. People came together and did things. When we had a gathering march in Blenheim, mainly to let people know there's people out there don't believe them when they say there's well they said on the news 100% in Riverlands was vaccinated so me my dad my husband my son my neighbor the other ones we weren't vaxxed we're from Riverlands and I'm thinking yeah good stats there so we just thought we've got to get out there and let people know so one March we had 300 in Boomtown that is bloody good to gather like that because, I don't know, I don't recall the last march there. It was, might have been the Springboks, but even then it was small. And we had wonderful speakers, you know, um, nurses, youth workers, a lot of speakers sharing and more and more people learning and listening. So that was, um, you know, positive things. We've got people who have set up Facebooks for us, who do all the sieving out and give us information. Thank you, Joe. There's a lot of you out there who have done things like that so that, as a team, it's working. We've um, started up a community garden because we want to connect and we want to grow bloody vegetables with the price of them. 
there's been, you know, every one of you can think of things that we've been doing and a positive stand. Can, do you want to shout out a few more? Uh, Carpi, homeschooling. So we've got a whole bunch of homeschoolers that are like-minded. They do things together and they are, if the kids say, are you awake? <laughs> it's cute. Um, so I oh, yeah, a little bit. I don't say that in my classroom. There's, what else is there out there? There's so much support out there that's going on. Racial Market, they've started one up because they didn't want to have to do it, close it down during lockdown, so they started that up. From top to toe, we had a bloody awesome convoy, which tens of thousands started looking at, started supporting. And, you know, resulting in um, the information that we got, we've got media here that actually give us the truth and not just this one narrative that we just assumed was kind of okay. Okay, you thought a few lies, but you didn't know it was blatant. We've got the connection still happening throughout the country and in our community. What other groups? Yeah, we, we catch up on a Monday. We just go walkabout so we can let a little bit out before we face the week. It's great. It's just people getting together because it's about us. What else? Oh, bloody hell. Where was the invite, Lynn? Where was the invite? There's wine clubs. Inclusive, I take it. Don't have to wear your mask. <laughs> so that's perfect, isn't it? Yeah. Common law. So we're learning more about common law. We've got, we've got sessions and um, groups that are educating us more. So common law is there and you can find out more, which is what Rachel talked about and Fred. We've got, yeah. So there's other alternatives to finance. If you are not happy anymore with banking and you are usual and you don't feel safe, there's courses here on the People's Reserve to teach us about other places we can put our money that can work for the people and it's run by the people. So, pardon? And we've got the parallel economy working. Voices for Freedom are working on that as, as well. I was hoping Glenda would be here to have a yarn, but she's got a Zoom on. But they are also working on that. So parallel economy as in things that can work that we don't need with our government. There's some food over there, by the way. Anybody's food? Oh, there we go. <laughs> so this is all happening. So this is all hopeful. Because um, the dudes who mean bad, you know, they they um, they don't they don't get love. They don't get the human spirit. So we're going to do it. Is there anything else that we're doing in the community of Boomtown? Come on, we just it's our time to show off. You know. Yeah, yeah. And on that note, lovely woman, that we we the regional council is where we've got a start really or at least carry on because we've got to we've got to start local and do things and they've tried they've done it already in Timaru and they've got rid of some dude the, the um new local government advisor who who's paid to do the narrative of the country and not what the people want okay so they've worked at it and they know how to get rid of these people but we need to turn up to some of these meetings where they invite the public with our like-minded way. Mia, do you want to come and talk about that, darling girl? Because she wants names and numbers later, don't you? 
So Mia, I, I actually, um, we were play centre mums together and we we didn't vaccinate our children back then. So that was 20, 20 years ago or something. And then when I was driving home, when I saw this whole COVID thing, that the meningococcal B was another whole thing that exactly the same style of narrative. And then I saw this pop-up. The VFFs do a lot of pop-ups, and I thought, read the signs. I thought, I like it. There's only a few people there. And then I saw Mia, and so, so I, I thought, right, had a conversation. So, yeah, well, it's been good joining with you, Tina, again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, look, how many people from Blenheim or Marlborough are from here are here tonight? Brilliant. How many? How many can put their hand up and go on local council, please? <laughs> We need it. We, well, that's where we're going to actually um, make a difference. And um, there is some great a training being offered through uh, um, Jill Booth from Timaru. It has set up some training that we can get people on uh, to help get people prepared to go for council. Um, and we haven't got a lot of time to put things together, but we are looking for people that are there to actually represent this town. Um, and we need it. And that's where we, we do it. So... Um, just get out. We, we've got to get together and, and sort this out. So names are really good, um, but really we just got to um, think about how we're going to do it. And there's a lot of st really good stuff on Voices for Freedom. Um, Jill and Jasper have been doing an amazing job of enlightening us. And um, wouldn't it be great to be a spoke in the wheel at Marlborough District Council? You know, just a little, no, that's not going to happen on my watch type thing. I don't know... Um, it just will take someone with a lot of courage, and we need quite a few people. Thank you, Jamie. Um, yeah, and definitely we can attend the meetings when they're going to make decisions as well. So if we know of some, they, they advertise them. When we know, we might just spread the word via the ways we have been um, so that we can rock on up and say we don't agree and have some fun yes. while we're at it. Okay, so lastly, um, I, actually, I actually think we've been programmed into being really busy. Like, busy means you're successful. You're going to be busy making money and busy, uh, you know, in your sports and busy in your voluntary work and busy buying more things and busy being busy and going to meetings to be busy for busyness sake. Meanwhile, all this... Corrupt bullshit's been happening under our noses. Um, you know, it's my generation, I feel. I feel a bit responsible because I was so busy. Uh, I missed it. Missed what's going on. And now that we've been enlightened to it, I feel, you know, I've got to be responsible for that. Because, um, you know, people think, I think, if you're busy, it gives you value. That's a crock. Okay? So, um I just think that was part of the, you know, a bit of brainwashing programming without realising it. So, um, you know, I've had to kind of reevaluate my priorities, reassess them. And for me, it's, it's people that matter. My faith and justice. So I think that's what's going to get me through. And I think when people unite for goodness, that's what's going to get us through. Love that. Thank you so much, ladies. I'm just going to take this one out because it's not adjusted to height. Um, awesome. And just before anybody does go later on tonight, if you are not connected in with anybody 
at all. I'm guessing you probably are because you're here. But if you need to connect in with more like-minded people just so you don't feel like you're alone, um, I would say go see these ladies, um, Tina and Mia as well. Just put your name down, get it to let them know what your interests are. You might even have an idea to start a new group. Who knows? All right, well, next up we've got, um, we're bringing Richie Ford um, to have a chat. He's got some wee kitties he needs to get home to. So where's Richie? He's going to have a talk about some problems and solutions. We don't like the problems, we want to hear the solutions. So come on up. How's it going out there, everyone? We good? Good times? This is a great event, and uh, I do want to take this time right now to truly acknowledge who we have over here in the corner between Calvin and Hannah. These people are representing this country in the information war on this planet we are having. It is incredible that they're here. It's incredible they're having this nationwide tour, and they're doing a great job. Yeah. And it's important to celebrate the people who are helping us get through this. It's important to celebrate being here. It's important to celebrate being alive every day because this is an information war. This is a global war against your, your mind, your consciousness, okay? And uh, we, we can't underestimate the importance of your commitment to the truth, okay? That simple thing, the truth. So there's uh, a couple of things that I want to talk about tonight, and I sort of want to throw the feelers out there a little bit. Um, talking about an information war, how many people out there believe that planet Earth is overpopulated? Okay, nice. So we got a very switched on uh, audience here. Uh, as a former high school math and physics teacher, uh, overpopulation is something that I would talk about with my students because it, it is not a fact. And as this, this audience clearly knows already, because very few of you uh, believe in the overpopulation myth. Uh, whoever put your hand up, don't, I don't want to isolate you or anything, but um, just do your research. Go to YouTube, check out Overpopulation's a Myth. There's an amazing YouTube series about it. Now, why am I talking about overpopulation? Can anybody... Yeah, they believe the Kool-Aid. The, the, they, they've drank their own Kool-Aid and they believe it. They, they truly believe the planet's overpopulated. And just like Samuel L. Jackson in the movie Kingsman, anybody see that, Kingsman? Okay, that's, that's storyline, that's, that's straight from CIA. The CIA is feeding Hollywood that storyline. Let's keep pumping up the overpopulation myth. And what does he do? He convinces a bunch of global leaders in, in on this crazy plan. And it's literally happening. <laughs> it's, you know, it's not a movie plot. It's the plot of your life. And it's the plot of your children's lives. Okay? So in particular, I've always really focused as a math teacher on talking about overpopulation and challenging the overwhelming acceptance almost everybody has that, yep, Planet Earth is overpopulated. Yep, we're done. It's like, well, are you sure? <laughs> Did you crunch any numbers? Did you think about the fact that every human alive can live in Texas with lots of land? So I, don't, I can't remember now. I haven't taught for, for a number of years. But 
something like uh, a nice quarter acre each family on the planet can have just in Texas. So uh, very important to get to the roots of the problem. And the problem is these psychopaths think that they are the chosen ones to solve our problems, but it's, it's not even a problem, okay? They are arrogant, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I, but you, you, you can say you don't consent, but this is, this is what I'm getting, getting to next in, in my discussion, is uh, by, by paying taxes, we, yeah. we consent, you know? And it's a ball buster, man, taxes, Ugh, I hate them. God, I hate taxes. It's, it's not like I don't wanna contribute, I want to, but I wanna contribute to a government that follows the law. I don't want to contribute to criminals, okay? And uh, on average, you guys are paying well, maybe one third of your paycheck more in taxes. You don't pay taxes? Everybody get her autograph on the way out tonight. Everybody get her autograph. Well done, well done. Uh, I want to explore this, uh, what's your name? Megan, Megan, you're a champ. That's unbelievable. You don't, you, you don't pay taxes. No, there's a website called freedomriver.wordpress. Freedomriver.wordpress. Templates, okay. there's information. Do it. Do it. Okay. Awesome. Well, I think you should be up here talking instead of me because I, I didn't even know about that. <laughs> uh, everybody make note of that. Fr Freedom River. And uh, I'm assuming that's about. Okay. Because it, one of my messages tonight, and I thought it was going to be a, a real, you know, <laughs> curveball, was to you know encourage people to have the big enough balls to just not pay taxes, you know. Like seriously, these are these are criminals. These are criminals, and we're supporting them. Okay, and uh, yeah, it's I guess not that crazy of a thing to do because Megan's here uh, leading the charge. Okay, awesome. That's great. That's really good news. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> Have you? Yeah. <laughs> Other stuff. We'll talk about that later, Megan. I want to hear about it. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here. I was so worried because all the other, the previous speakers were so funny and I was sitting over there. I don't have anything funny to say. I didn't think this was going to be stand-up comedy. And here's Megan here in the wings here supporting me for the comedy. Thanks, Megan. That's awesome. So, um, when you think about taxes, you got to think about it's an investment, right? So um, let's say you make $100,000 a year, pay almost $40,000 just in income tax. Okay, would you go anywhere and be like, boom, I'm going to drop 40 grand on this idea right here? And then be like, oh, okay. I'll just, I'll just walk away from that massive investment. I'll just walk away from it. No, who does that? Who would ever do that in the investment world? 
No one ever, but we are doing that, right? We are actually doing that. And we are not thinking about the return on investment because, God damn it, that is your money. You worked for it. You slave your whole life working, and they take that from you. And don't get me wrong, I, I'm not against paying taxes. I'm against paying taxes to criminals who are killing people. All right? Yeah, another tax. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that could be coming next. Terrible. And it's, you know, it, it's part of a false narrative as well, you know, which is, again, part of the information war. Anyways, um, believe it or not, believe it or not, the, the technology exists with blockchain. I don't know if you've heard about Bitcoin. Uh, the underlying technology that allows Bitcoin to operate, it's called blockchain, and it's truly, as a, as a mathematician, blockchain is truly one of the greatest inventions of humankind. It's unbelievable invention. I'm not going to go on about blockchain, but my point is that, Megan, believe it or not, if you want to start paying taxes again, we could live in a system where, let's say you pay $3,000 in city tax, for your property tax. We could live in a system where you know exactly where every single one of those dollars that you paid into the system, where it's gone. And that would be with blockchain technology. Now, I'm sure you've heard of digital currencies and the fact that the world banks are very interested in utilizing them because it does actually represent an ultimate form of trackability, traceability, having to account for 100% of your income, where it's gone, where it's come from, that is a real risk with digital currencies, okay? And they're, they're talking about it at the World Economic Forum, and um, it is, hey? They could freeze your funds, exactly. Um, we, it's, it's getting so dangerous right now between uh, forced or coerced vac vaccinations and, and now the possibility with uh, the digital currencies. Man, I, I'm almost sad. I am sad standing up here to tell you this truth. We are this close, everybody, like this close to an endless technocratic control grid. Like, the shit we're going through right now, we've been through this over and over and over and over. Like, history is like a big story between uh, the elite ruling class and your peasants. And the struggles between those, those two main categories. You throw in the middle class, and you, you know, get some shits and giggles on the side. But um, basically, it's, it's been thousands and thousands of years struggle between regular people and the elite. We are this close where they can actually shut the door down on us, on us with technology, okay? A technocratic control grid, signing in, scanning everywhere. That's what they're doing. They're conditioning us to be in a technocratic control grid. And once they come up with these digital currencies, it's going to be really, really hard to do anything. You know, they could, with a, you know, within five minutes, scan this room and sh shut down your bank account if you attended this meeting. That could literally happen. It already is happening in China. Okay, so getting to my point, the exciting part of this, 
Believe it or not, you can turn this technology around and use it against the government to have 100% uh, of tax dollars uh, traceable, where you can identify how, your, how many cappuccinos your tax dollars bought for the, uh, you know, for your city, city councillors, because they, they really like their cappuccinos, that's for sure. Um, so that's blockchain technology. And um, I've got a whole manifesto. Like, I'm just looking for somebody who wants to uh, take power locally because I can provide uh, a, a complete manifesto for how to take power locally, not just as a counselor, but um, taking, taking over Barbaro, basically. Um, I've got a manifesto. If anyone's interested, uh, come talk to me. We just need financing and uh, a, a person, a face to put out there. I guarantee I can win a, a local election. I guarantee it. Yeah. No, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Last but not least, how am I doing for time over there, guys? Sweet. Last but not least, um, there is a very real food shortage coming. You guys know about it? Yeah. Yeah. And this, this is part of, uh, if, if they succeed, and it's, it's looking pretty good, all the pieces are in place, you've got a major shortage of fertilizer, intentional, uh, you've got a shortage of diesel. Um, wait, it's all related, it's all related. You know, if they succeed with this plan 10, 20 years down the, down the road, they'll just fulfill their it'll be a self-fulfilling prophecy and they'll say, oh, we were overpopulated so we didn't have enough food. And it's bullshit. Not once in the history, in recorded history, have we ever not had enough food. Not once. Every single case of famine that's ever been recorded in history was not because of lack of food, it was because of bullshit that the government does. Okay? so. Don't buy the story, you guys already don't, that there's too many people. But the food shortage that's coming is real, okay? So I wanted to bring up, Tina, you, you didn't talk about the community garden. Did you guys bring up the community garden tonight? Yeah, but they probably sneezing, so. <laughs> uh, I was it sneezing, was I sneezing? <laughs> um, this is, this is the big thing I want to talk to you guys about tonight, and it's, it's simple. Cuba. Do you guys know Cuba? Of course. Okay, I've been there six times. Amazing country. Um, very, very impoverished. Uh, when I went to university in the 2000s, started thinking all ecologically and, you know, how can we do things different? And Cuba, man, the city of Havana, with all its, I think it's close to 2 million people in Havana, grow 80% of their food within Havana city limits. Yeah. Okay. And well, I got to buy my, my veggies from who knows where and all this, all this processed food that's coming from all over the world um, using, using energy to get here. No, we, we do not have to do that. And I'm telling you, I'm begging you, it is time for a shift in our culture? Yeah. yeah, you guys agree. You guys agree this is clear as day you agree? Yeah. Trust me, take, take the next two to three months, set up a veggie garden in your backyard. It, I just looked into it. 
it, uh, seven, for $70, 70 to $100 per square meter of garden, you can have a nice raised bed garden with beautiful soil. It's not an expensive investment. And it's a life changer. It's really time for this country to get back to its roots and get those veggie gardens going in the backyard, okay? And bringing people together explicitly to celebrate the food. Because food is life, and man, things get shitty in a hurry when we do not have food. It's three days, guys. We are three days away from total chaos. I don't know if you guys know that, but it takes three days for society to collapse with no food. Okay? Yes? We've got lots of city council land, and we pay city council gardeners to maintain flower beds and roadside. Could they not be growing food? Yes. 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 It just takes leadership there, fellow bearded man. Yes. <laughs> That's it. It just takes leadership. I'll give you an example. I, I used to live in Tim's uh, up in the Coral Mandel. And uh, a guy just like you, he had a beard, one of my mates. He's like, man, we need more fruit trees in town. And within two years, there was fruit trees all over town, all over town. And it's just one really small thing. And I agree, there's so much public space that we could be growing food on. Marlboro, in particular, could become a mecca. Yeah. It's huge. <laughs> it's massive. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Take it easy on the golf, mate. <laughs> there's enough land for veggies and golf. All right, everybody, it's been really, really nice to come up here and uh, blow off some steam. I hope I didn't get too crazy this time, did I, Tina? Yeah, I guess that one week at Seymour Square, I blacked out. I didn't even remember what I was talking about. <laughs> oh, I went all anti-mask on everybody. Yeah, was, <laughs> so I'm glad at least I was a bit coherent tonight. People asking online for the How to Avoid Taxes website, and it is, Megan? FreedomRiver.wordpress. FreedomRiver.wordpress, if you want to become uh, your local tax evader today. Yeah! Yeah! yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that, Richie. I just I picked up a, a little bit of a Canadian um, sound in your your accent. Am I correct? That's correct. Well, I would just like to say how much do we love the Canadians for getting us started on this whole convoy? So much respect. And I've been very privileged to connect with a lot of Canadians around the world thanks to social media. So if you're not doing that already, then I suggest you do it. Now, before I get our next speaker up, I want all of you that are sitting down to jump up. Yep. Shake your leg up. Right leg first. Shake your left leg. Turn around. One way, that way. I twist myself up. Come on, shake it up. That's it, the hokey pokey. <laughs> Turn around the other way and then I want you to look at the person next to you and say, you look fan-freaking-tastic tonight! You can put more energy into it than that! <laughs> Alright, just a quick stretch. I'm really excited to welcome Joel up, who's our next speaker. He's a local youth leader, uh, mandated out of his job, which I was very um, dis 
Oh, we're going to go Simi first. Okay, Simi. All right, we're going to do a switcheroo. Simi's, Simi's got her baby here so that she can get going. So she's a mum who has suffered adverse reaction to the childhood vaccines, the baby vaccines. So come on up, Simi. We're looking forward to hearing from you tonight. Thank you. My name is Simi and uh, I'm not a New Zealand citizen, I'm an Indian citizen. I moved to New Zealand in 2015 with my husband and he works with Judd and Mia and um, I wish I met Tina before then I would not have jabbed my son and suffered this. And I'm going to share the story of my son, he is 15 months old. Uh, we, me and my husband, we had like four miscarriages and it was a very hard journey to conceive with him. Finally, we had him and it was a very uh, difficult start of his life. Um, he was on antibiotics and he was on IV lines. He had my first milk after 42 hours coming onto this world. And it was a shock for me and for him. And he was growing well, but apart from all the thing, he's a fighter, he was growing well. Um, he had his first vaccination at six weeks, he was fine. But at the third month vaccination, he had an anaphylactic reaction. He turned red and within seconds, his breath was very heavy and fast and I couldn't make out what was happening. And the doctors, the team, everyone came in and they said, oh, I think he's getting into an anaphylactic shock. So they gave him adrenaline and his cry was becoming more louder and louder and he was not accepting my breast. He was not accepting bottle, pacifier, anything. He kept crying for one hour, ambulance came took him to the Viru hospital. He kept crying and I kept crying like we both were in a situation where we didn't know what to do. And the doctors said, um, we're gonna monitor him for another four to five hours. They did that. He was just a tiny baby and after one hour, he, he was just like, had no energy to cry on. He just cuddled me and slept. I'm sorry for that. Yeah. Then, I, I didn't know what happened. I was not aware. At five-month vaccination, uh, he was transferred to the pediatric care because the GP said, no, he's not going to have his vaccinations here. So he was transferred to the pediatric care, but we were in a disbelief that now he's in better hands. He was given an antihistamine, and he, they said they, they will monitor him again. He was given the jab, he reacted again. And the doctors and nurses, they kept saying me, oh, this is normal, this is normal. No, it wasn't normal. It was not normal seeing my baby cry in my arms. And he was red again. All his body was red again. And that was the moment I realized something is wrong. I need to be aware. I talked to my friend, she is in Canada, and she was a mom as well. And then was the time we started discussing things and I came to know about the shocking things. 
about vaccinations. And then I started doing my research on the vaccinations that are given to the kids. The Infarix vaccine that's given at six weeks, five months, six, uh, three months, five months, they all have got aluminum phosphates. And aluminum is a heavy metal, which we all know, and it attracts moles, fungus, and everything. And so it's very hard for a tiny baby or even an adult like me to get rid of. And, and then it was not the end. After that, he had an eczema. He started itchiness and all those things. I went to the Plunkett nurse, Plunkett nurse referred to another nurse. And because I was new to this country, I just followed the system. And then he was declared that he's having eczema and they don't know the cause. This was not the end. Then I decided I won't jab my child anymore for a disease that he may not even have in his lifetime. And I missed his 12-month vaccination schedule. I got a call from the pediatric doctor from Vairu Hospital, and, he, and she booked me for 20-minute uh, appointment over the phone because of the COVID thing. And she kept insisting me to give him the jab right at this moment because this is how the Ministry of Health has created the vaccination schedule. I said, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to put my child into danger again and I'm not going to do it. And she kept on insisting me, insisting me. And that was the moment I made myself more stronger and stronger. No, I'm not going to do this because... <laughs> this was my motherly failing that, no, they are insisting me because they are being paid by the pharmaceutical companies to to poison my child for what? Measles, mumps, and rubella, which is not even existent today. And he might not even have in his lifetime. I'm, I would rather have my son have measles, fight for it, and rather than have the jab and poison himself. Yeah. This didn't end here. When I said no to the vaccination, I got a written letter from the DHB insisting me to get the vaccination. That was the time I thought, oh, maybe I'm doing something wrong. He won't be admitted into the preschool, schools, and things like that, because I was not aware. I'm an immigrant. I don't know. I talked to Mia. She helped me a lot. Then I had a couple of things. I did my research. I talked to his preschool teacher. I said, I'm not jabbing my son. Will you, will you still be taking him into the preschool? They said, yes. And that's where I realized that we have to research ourselves, even if you are an immigrant, non-aware. That small thing, that motherly instinct, which pushed me not to give the jab to my child, has led me here. And I'm very proud of it. And I'm not going to jab myself, my husband, and my son, and my future babies. <laughs> and that one thing also made me to realize how poisonous the foods are. Even the Plunkett people, they, they tell us to feed us the, you know, the pouched foods. But how, how poisonous they are, we all know. And that 
one thing triggered me and one thing resulted me into having a healthy lifestyle and we are following it and I'm very happy and proud of myself being here and I'm very proud to say that I'm an anti-vaxxer and I won't vaccine my kids anymore. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. If you did, uh, you probably didn't notice, but your little man was sitting there with the biggest grin looking at his mum like, oh, my mum. <laughs> hey, um, I think it's so important to have stories like that because as new mums, I mean, I've got five kids and I'm onto the next generation now. Unfortunately, my daughter-in-law is not going to further vaccinate my grandson, he's four. Um, but as a new mum, you feel so much pressure and you don't feel like you have the support to back you up, to say no, because you, you and you vaccinate, I wish I didn't do my kids as well, but you vaccinate them because the plunket, the doctor, the nurses, everybody's saying this is what you do. So I think that's a really good point we need to do around here as well, is get around our new mums and give them the support to have a voice to be the mums that they want to be. So awesome. All right, next we have Joel this time. Um, Joel was, an, as a, uh, was a youth worker who was mandated out of his job. Um, he has been an awesome leader to two of my girls over the years and so very excited to hear what Joel has to say so welcome on up. Good evening. Let's get that sorted. Good to be here tonight with so many awake people. It's great. Um, yeah hey I just wanted to share a couple of things. One on um, just how much we've been conditioned as a society and then two on just on some of the stories that I've heard in my role as a community worker as a youth worker and um, yeah but with the conditioning yeah I mean we've been con conditioned from the start right some of the things have been mentioned tonight going to the supermarket for example when we need food um, wearing a seatbelt um, the medical field you know we, we feel like when we become parents that we have to find a midwife we have to do this we have to do that and uh, as a young parent as well, um, I can totally relate to your story. I'm glad I never had to go through that, but it's confusing. And I can imagine it must have been so much more confusing as an immigrant as well, but it's confusing. You've got all this pressure from everywhere. It's crazy. And I've got three kids now, and two of them were free birthed. Um, we just said, nah, we're not in the system. And um, I want to encourage you, if you're a young parent, you just do that. Like God's created this body for you. It works perfectly in most situations. Sometimes there is a the odd freak occur occurrence that you kind of have to go to the hospital. Okay, maybe then. But like most of the time, we're, we've been given this body. We can do it. We can do it ourselves. And um, we don't need this medical system all the time. We don't need to turn to that as our first thing every time. Yeah, that's cool. None of that's actually what I was going to talk about. I just wanted to go for that. Yeah, um, yeah. but hey, people have been conditioned. And I don't even think it's their fault half the time. We're just in this kind of system where we're just fed this constant dribble. We don't even know that we're being conditioned half the time. But just in terms of COVID, you know, I've, I've seen people on social media say stuff like this, say, oh, I had COVID. I'm so glad I was jabbed because otherwise it would have been so much worse. It was already terrible, but it would have been so much worse. And it's just, how do you, it's just the, the dribble they've been fed to believe that the vaccine that should be stopping you from getting it still made you get it and still in a horrible way. And you think you would have got it worse without that. I don't know where these come from, but, but someone... We're just conditioned in this way. 
And that's pretty sad. Sorry, I just get to my notes. Uh, my own sister, she lives overseas and um, she had COVID um, right at the start, right when it was actually kind of threatening. Um, she had it, so she had natural immunity. And then she was so conditioned that she still went on to get the jab. And then she got the jab, had an adverse reaction, fainted, went to hospital. And then that same night posted up on her Facebook and said, I'm all good. The doctors took care of me. Make sure you go get jabbed. And, so, <laughs> and that's my sister. Um, so yeah, I mean, conditioning happens wherever you are. It doesn't matter how you were raised. It doesn't matter you know, where you came from, any of this stuff. Anybody can be conditioned in any different way. And so all for something, all for this thing that all, most of us are aware in here, it does very little to stop the spread of the virus, does very little to, to stop the, the curve or any of that stuff. And I don't know about you guys, but I've seen very little difference between unvaxxed and vaxxed in terms of COVID. Both seem to get it just as easily as each other. Both seem to get hit equally as hard and as soft as each other. In fact, in my circles, I've actually seen the, the triple boosted people probably getting hit the hardest. I don't know if it's the same for everyone else, everyone else but um, yeah, in my circles anyway, that's the way it's kind of been, which is quite interesting. And um, yeah, so I just wanted to talk about that conditioning a little bit. Um, they, they, they use these tactical words, don't they? They, they pick their what they're going to say very carefully. I don't know if anyone here listens to the radio. I try not to because it's just awful, to be honest. But I've been listening to the radio a little bit at work. Even just today, I remember listening to the radio, a couple of different stations, and I heard about the meningitis vaccine. I heard about getting your flu vaccine. I heard several things about COVID vaccines. And now we're talking about smallpox vaccines as well. And it's just this constant conditioning and environments you have no control over. You're just at work, someone puts on the radio, it's just feeding into your soul constantly. And it's just crazy that we're allowing them to kind of do this. Constant conditioning. Get vexed. Get boosted. Get boosted. You know, I, I wish I had been boosted when I got COVID. It's just this constant stuff. You've all heard these ads. It's just ridiculous. It's straight out of this kind of like George Orwell novels. You know, this, this group think mentality, this um, thought police, this kind of stuff that's, that's mentioned in these novels. And that's the reality that we're kind of living in. Some of those things, you know, save the lives around you. Save grandma. Protect those around you. The most vulnerable. We've all heard these phrases that we've been conditioned with. And I believe that us here, we are here for the most vulnerable. But it's not the same most vulnerable that the government or the narrative is kind of saying, right? So I just want to finish up with the second half of my, my kind of speech tonight, just sharing some of the stories of some of the truly most vulnerable that I've come across in my role as a youth worker and community worker. Is that cool? Let's share a couple of stories. I mean, so for, for starters, just in, in all of these fields, I've met people, firefighters, nurses, teachers, all of these fields that are short-staffed, don't have enough people, were one year ago essential workers and now suddenly not needed at all because of these vaccine mandates. You know, worker shortages just across the board. I've got nurses, friends that have lost their jobs. A nurse friend who's been studying for two years put time and energy and money into that degree only to be told that actually, no, you can't study this anymore because you're not jabbed. Teachers that have decided that, yes, I will get the jab, because I think my kids need me more than it's worth the risk for. People shouldn't be forced into that kind of decision. That's so, so wrong to me. Um, what about young people? The, during the mandates, 
the young people that couldn't play sport, that couldn't go to school camps, that couldn't get their licenses, all of this stuff that young people have on their heart to advance, to grow, to mature as part of this life cycle, they couldn't do that. They were robbed of those things. It's putting social pressure on 12-year-olds to go and get the vaccine against their parents' wishes because of the social pressure of their peers, of their friends. What a world to grow up in. It's already hard enough out there without all this extra stuff. I have a friend who had to travel to the North Island frequently and he had had a, he had, uh, had a bunch of anger management kind of stuff, has come a long way, has dealt with a bunch of that kind of stuff. But he said, I'm going to have to get the jab because I'm still not 100% and if some flight attendant goes off at me and doesn't know the rules properly and if I go off at her, I could end up in prison. People are faced with those kind of decisions. They have to get the jab because of that. Because it's worth the risk. I have another friend who has been in prison, struggled to get a job when he got out of prison, trying to turn his life around, finally got a job in hospitality. Suddenly the mandates come along, get a jab or lose your job. His decision was go back to being depressed and probably ending up back in prison or get this jab that I do not want. And he chose the second option. Churches, I've grown up in church circles. I've seen people that have been in churches for 50, 60 years being told, if you don't get the jab, you're no longer part of this community. That is so, so wrong to me. Absolutely. We do need to create our own community. I've, I've seen people that have been willing to get the jab. Cool. That's all right. We'll do it. 90% you reckon? Okay, let's get to 90%. I'll be part of that. Suddenly we get to 90%. They still want us to get boosted. Absolutely. Who knows what the real numbers are? But people have been willing to get the first one. They, they said, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it initially. And now they want us to get boosted as well. It just doesn't, it never, it never makes sense. There's constant lies. A couple more stories. I have a friend who had to leave the country. She was also a youth worker. She had to leave the country because she was from America and she could not renew her visa unless she was jabbed. That's crazy. I don't know how they can do that. I have my, one of my close friends who waited to the last minute to get the jab, right when, when the, all the mandates, he's kind of waited to that last day, and I know a few people were doing that. And then he said, you know what, I've made peace with this. Yet he went into that vaccination clinic crying with his decision. I don't know how peaceful that decision really was. You know, People are being forced to go and crying to do something against their wishes. And we have all come across people like this. The last story I just want to share, and this one is the one that hits me the hardest, I think. There's, there's a friend of mine who is mentally disabled, um, very financially dependent and, and dependent on her family's assistance. And um, she was faced with this decision to get the jab. She didn't want to get it. And basically, from that pressure of her own family saying, we will not financially support you anymore if you don't get it. Crazy. Had to get it. These are our stories. These are the stories, and I'm sure all of you have many more stories. There are so many stories of people being put into difficult situations. It's injustice. It's wrong. I'm a Christian, and it says in the Bible to, to speak up for injustice, to look out for those people. And whether you're religious or not, it doesn't matter. We're all here. We're all human. We all have empathy. We all have compassion. And so I just want to thank... Counterspin and other avenues like these guys as well 
who are prepared to stand up for truth, for courage, for freedom, and to hear our stories, to get these stories out there. So I just want to applaud you all, encourage you on the third journey. Last thing, just want to ask a question. Just want you to think about what ways am I being conditioned? What ways am I being conditioned? And we're all being conditioned in some way. Some less than others who don't pay their taxes. Awesome. Great. But we're all somewhat being conditioned. And you might think, yeah, I'm awake now. I'm not being conditioned anymore. But you still are. We're still other ways. There's so many ways we're being conditioned. And I just want you to think, because if you're part of the system that's being conditioned, whether it's masks, whether it's scanning in, whether it's whatever. Whether you're, you're, when you're part of the system, you're kind of contributing to the injustice. And I know you guys all know this, but I just want you to have a little moment of reflection. How am I contributing to this? Because I do not, if we're truly against this injustice and this, this wrong that's happening, then we need to start thinking about how we're being conditioned, how we can say, actually, no, I'm out of the system. I want to make a change. I'll just leave you with that thought. That was awesome. Thank you, Joel. Um, on what he's saying, just do not comply. Just do not comply. They say wear a mask in a supermarket. No, you're not muzzling me. Not a dog. Yeah, as when more people start standing up and choosing not to comply, I mean, I've been a rebel since I was 12, so it's kind of easy for me, but you know, just you just don't do what they say to do, especially if you know that there's something off about it. But hey, if you're comfortable wearing it, by all means, go ahead. Um, and on the taxes thing too, <laughs> here's a question for you. <laughs> what if I told you that if you were paying tax, you're actually funding terrorism? Not surprised. We could do a whole night on that stuff. <laughs> but, um, but one thing on that, though, is that a lot of us have been under the impression that our taxes go to pay for benefits and policing and schools and whatever else. Bollocks. It goes to line the bank accounts of the elites overseas and our government borrows money back from the Federal Reserve at interest to pay for all that stuff. All right, I'll leave you with that before we get the next person up. Okay, so I'd like to welcome Mary up. So Mary's going to come and talk about health and safety. Where have we got Mary? Here she goes. <laughs> Welcome Mary to the stage. Hello everybody, it's really good to see such a good turnout for tonight. So a bit about myself. I'm a health and occupational health and safety advisor. And um, as a result of the COVID stuff coming into the workplace and people starting to have pressure on them to have the jab or lose their jobs. I actually resigned my professional memberships from NZISM and the International Institute of Safety, Health and Management in um, the UK. I've got a question here. Are there any business owners in this room tonight? A few of you. So can I ask you how you managed the risk or the hazards and risk of the COVID vaccine in your workplace? Uh, don't come to work. What I was meaning was, um, if you're well, come to work. If you feel 
Okay. So, no. So I'm talking about as a, as a person that owns a business, you have a duty of care to your workers. So you're the PCBU of a business. It is, some of you may be in a business that has health and safety advisors working for you. Did anybody in your workplace do a hazard and risk assessment on the COVID vaccine? No, I'm not talking about a section 83. I'm asking, did anybody do a hazard and risk assessment on the COVID vaccine, the contents of the COVID vaccine? Pardon? The reason I ask that is, it seems that every company that mandated their workers, because as a PCBU and the Health and Safety at Work Act, you have a duty of care and responsibility to manage the risk to your workers in the workplace. The re the re That's okay. The reason I'm asking is that if if somebody in that company had decided to do a hazard and risk assessment on the COVID vaccine, they should never ever have mandated it. Why? Because it carries. So you're managing the risk. Now, for a start, it's an experimental um, jab, right? It's not a vaccine, it's a jab. The safety data sheet has nothing on it. It's a hazardous substance. And so if you follow, as a, health, as a PCBU, you are legally bound to manage risk to your employers. Everybody has relied on the Ministry of Health's pathetic it's safe and effective. Did anybody get informed consent before they took the jab? No, because the Ministry of Health, with their propaganda, assured you all it was safe and effective. So you mentioned a Section 83. Now, I know a lot of people use that from Liz Lambert, but the trouble is, on its own, it never carried weight. It never carried weight. People used it to go to their employers to try and fight for their job. And they just said, thank you very much, go home or have the jab. Basically, that was it. I stuck to my gun in the job that I do. I'm, all, I, I'm, a, I'm a private practitioner and I also do work for a company three days a week. I was stood down for four months. I was put on gardening leave. They then, gardening leave, that's giving you notice. <laughs> but anyway. So just before that ended, they, came to, they sent me an email to say, we've been thinking we could offer you three months leave without pay to keep you on the books. I thought, okay, I'll sign up for that. The very next day, I got an email to say, we've now decided that your job is critical to our business, and so we're going to have to recruit. And at the end of three months, when you come back, you might not have your job. Wow. So I got legal intervention, and of course, that was they can't do that. But the bottom line is that all of you that where the companies mandated, mandated you to have a vaccine to keep your job was totally illegal. You know that now. I also understand that you had bills to pay, you've got mortgages to pay, and you were put 
fear drove you to do that, whether you wanted to or not. I know people that I work with didn't, you know, adamantly didn't want to be vaccinated, but they've got kids, mortgages, and that's why they did it. They now know they've just played Russian roulette with their lives, which is really, really sad. However, Sue Gray, as we know, has tried to fight um, for against the, the vaccines in the courts, and each time she's had a very good case, but it's been thrown out by the corrupt judges because they're on the payroll. There is a solution to people, and it means that you've got to stand on, stand on your own, two feet, and be prepared to fight for it. And there is a private prosecution that you can do under the Health and Safety at Work Act against the people that made you have the jab. You won't know about that because nobody tells you. So I don't know how many of you are in a position where you might need to do that. Or, and obviously there is a cost. But if we can prosecute one PCBU for not carrying out their duty of care to their employers and keeping them safe in the workplace, it will set the benchmark for every other employer. They will try and hide behind it, sorry. They will try and um, hide behind it and say, the government told us to. But they cannot, no employer can opt out of their duty of care under the Health and Safety at Work Act. So that's not an excuse and it doesn't get them off the hook. So anybody here that's had to do it, it's, I mean, at the end of the day, you've got to be comfortable in yourself wanting to follow up on that. But if it's affected your health and affected your ability to work, it might affect your ability to have children. It'll affect your ability to lead a normal life. Your employer, if mandated it, and, don't, and remember, there are only three groups of people mandated. The employers that decided to do it did it off their own bat. They either had private contracts with government, which they didn't want to lose. There were many, many reasons why they did it. So I'm just asking you to think about it. Nobody else is talking about it. Most I put a, a comment on LinkedIn the other day, and I said, has any... I've got 500 connections, probably pretty much all to do in the health and safety field. And I said, has anybody done a risk, a hazard and risk assessment on the COVID vaccine? Not one response from so-called colleagues in the industry. So I'm happy to speak out because somebody else should have done it a long time ago. And I've been working in the background with two other colleagues. There's about four of us that have spoken out. So, any, any questions from anybody? No, you've got to have a lot more information under the Health and Safety at Work Act that would sit along beside it, that would prop it up. You've got to weaponise it for it to work. Now, WorkSafe are supposed to be the regulator for, for um, making sure employees in workplaces are kept safe. 
they're in dereliction of their duty. They should be taken to court because they've been pushing that it's health, it's, you know, they've been supporting the MOH propaganda. So you can't rely on WorkSafe. And that is why a section 144 of the Health and Safety at Work Act 2015 has an opportunity for a private prosecution against WorkSafe and the employer. Hi. I'm just going to get down because the lights are really bright. Sorry, oh, gardening leave? Yes. Okay, yeah, that's that's fine. I think one way of doing it is if people could um, do a class action, if there wasn't enough of you. Um, that is one way of, of everybody being able to chip in and, um, you know, try, try and get some, um, make it right, really. But we do have to stand on our own two feet because nobody can do it for you. And I can't stress that enough. I'm just waiting, you know, I've got, I got asked to go back into work and I'm just, I'm just waiting and I'm document, documenting everything they do because I'll go after them because I think what they're doing is lining me up for a constructive dismissal because they don't really want me there because I'm outspoken. <laughs> That's why I'm here tonight. <laughs> But it's your right to work, it's your right to earn money, and it's your right to do it um, safely. So nobody, and, and nobody has the right to inject a poison into you. Now, you look, the, the Pfizer data sheets have all come out now. You, they, they're coming out in drips and drabs. I've, had, I've got two lots. You know, what, what, what they've done, what they've done is, bi is bioterrorism. And you have to remember that. And some people that we've spoken, that I've spoken to, have said, "Oh, we don't really want to." My boss is really nice. We know we don't want to um, go against him too much, but he's wanting to poison you. You've got to turn it around and think really laterally, and just and, and think, well, <laughs> that's what they're asking you to do: is take a poison and stand up and don't do it. If anybody wants to um, get my phone number or an email address or something, um, yeah, come and see me. And uh, I work with two colleagues privately, and we've we've done a lot of representation across different organisations: Air New Zealand, port companies, government, other government companies, organisations, should I say? Um, and at the moment, we've been asked to help some teachers, and I think they're looking at a private prosecution. So. If we start doing that, they'll start retreating. Yeah. We are at war, and that's what we have to remember. Yeah. Okay, take care, people. Thank you, Mary.
All right, well, Mary was our last official speaker for tonight. So um, before I open up the floor, um, what's a couple of things that you guys, if someone just wants to yell out real quick, what's something that you've learned or, or had affirmed tonight? Something that really stood out to you? No taxes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no taxes. Awesome. Yes, absolutely. Amazing to have you all together. Yeah. Um, I will just let you know, just to finish off, how many of you, uh, with the common law thing, how many of you have ever heard of police turning up and then reinforcements and weapons being called with a warrant to arrest somebody? And then they just, like, over half an hour later, they just stand down and walk away. Is that, have you heard of that happening before? No. Well, I can tell you. <laughs> so after the 35-minute standoff, to finish that story for you guys, they were literally about to jump from my gate down into my yard with a two-man rammer. They had told me they were bringing in weapons and reinforcements, but I still would not open the door to them because I didn't have to. Um, and they were about to come and smash through my lounge door. Knowing that there were kids there, I had a single mum with her kids there as well, staying, who I met at the protest in Wellington. All of a sudden, my friend appeared at the front door with her eyes like this, and I was like, what's the matter? She goes, they've gone. I said, what do you mean? She said, they've, got, they've just gone. Like, she was shocked. She heard the sergeant finally say, stand down, stand down, she's under common law. why it's so important. Now I'm going to open up the floor here. I'm going to ask Angela to come first. Just if, if anybody wants to come up for a few minutes. I just see my neighbour Kimberly. Hello. <laughs> it was her house I went and escaped to just quietly. <laughs> um, do you want to come up Angela and have a couple of minutes just to speak about whatever you want to talk about and then we'll just, we're going to sort of look to wrap up around just before nine. Um, but if there's anybody else that has something burning to say, come and stand in line. Goodness, those lights are very bright. <clears throat> um, th thank you for, for giving me your, your time. Um, I've been in a privileged position to be an old to sponsor um, Hannah and Kelvin, and I think we bought some, some of their cam uh, cameras for them. I, I see the sponsorship as an investment in our future. And I've also had the privilege of um, knowing some, oh, I know Fred quite well, these teeth that I'm talking through, Fred built for me. <laughs> Thank you, Fred, they're going well. <laughs> and I also know some of the other NZDSOS doctors, one or two in Nelson, and I've just recently sponsored Anna Riley to go to, to, go to Bath to the World Council for Health Conference, and she's amongst good company over there, and so I'm gonna make sure she talks to us when we get back. The health and safety thing that we just heard, um, I do have a little bit of sponsorship left for somebody who wants to pursue uh, a legal avenue to uh, take these people down. Okay? I, I've got 20,000 plants working for me and they don't give a damn whether I'm vaccinated or not. And a while ago, I had quite a few. I've sold some of my interests and in, in looking to retire, but I've never been so busy. <laughs> but um, I did say to three or four staff that I had when this uh, vaccine came along, I said, I would prefer it if you didn't get vaccinated. And if you do get vaccinated, I'll have to let you go because you make poor decisions. <laughs> 
The fight for freedom is not over. We need to realize that the, that the tyrannical people that are trying to control us will do so almost forever. We've got to, we've got to really stand up and fight for our freedoms. And, we, and the only way to do that is to do all the small things. It doesn't matter how large or small the thing we do, if it's a protest. Look what happened when we had the protests in Wellington and Picton. They called off the mandates. They like, they like to say that we didn't do it, that we didn't make a difference, but we made one hell of a difference. Yeah. I've just recently put in some solar panels and I get eight and a half cents a unit for the power I sell. And I pay 28 or 30 cents for the power I buy. And I could say to the power company, uh, I'll, I, won't, I won't use your power and, or I won't sell you the power unless, unless you uh, put the price up to a decent price. But as an individual, it's not going to work because they've got a million other cost customers. But if I contacted all the other solar power people that have installed them and we all decided at two o'clock on a sunny summer afternoon to turn our main switch off, we would disrupt their system so much that they'd have to listen to us. And that's what we're all about. That, that's about, yeah, that's about me. I've written a few things down. But my writing's so small, I can't see it. <laughs> Thank you all for, for your ear. Um, make sure you're safe. Make sure you stay strong. Don't go anywhere near one of those needles. Thank you. Okay. It looks like Calvin's going to leave me up here by myself, so I'll make the most of it. Uh, <laughs> okay. I just want to say one thing in closing. Um, my little soapbox that I've been getting on recently is, um, and I notice the listener. Does anybody here still still subscribe to that woke uh, piece of great rubbish that you can burn a fire with? Yeah, anyone? Well, the listener um, on their latest uh, issue, they've got that something along the lines of the war against men has to stop, or the war between the genders has to stop. And this is a topic that I've been really wanting to talk to people about. Um, does anybody here have a problem with me calling out feminism? No. 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 Okay, great. None of us blokes. <laughs> All right, so um, I suppose it's in particular. <laughs> in particular, third wave and fourth wave feminism are a massive problem in this country and around the world. And uh, for, you know, since the 50s, probably onwards, men have been um, hit over the head constantly uh, when people talk about this thing called toxic masculinity. Has anybody ever heard a public discussion about toxic femininity? No. Okay, so I would like to propose to the women of New Zealand that it's time that we start talking about it because if a man ever talks about toxic femininity, they get labelled a misogynist or a bigot or a sexist or something like that. So it's up to us women to start talking about the fact that um, I personally don't ever feel like I've been discriminated against for being a female. I feel like I've actually had a lot more opportunities given to me because I am a female. So I think um, we've 
well and truly reached equal rights, and I think it's gone to the point now where we are actually oppressing men in this country. Does anybody agree with that? We do. Okay. Now, I also have a background. uh, I've got various backgrounds, but one of them is early childhood education, and that's where it's starting. Okay, so women have been since at least my generation, if not the generation, probably even the generation before, we have been subtly and often not so subtly taught that being a mother and a wife is the last thing you should ever strive to be. Do women feel like that? So you've got to go out, you've got to go to university, you've got to go and have a career, you've got to go and be a businesswoman. So now they call it a boss woman. Who's a boss woman? And if you're a boss woman, you've made it in the world. Um, so there's this whole narrative that um, yeah, women have got to go out and forget about being a mother, forget about being a wife, forget about creating a home. And that is a massive part of this agenda that has been created to destroy the family. And now, of course, it's going a step further where in, in early childhood, uh, predominantly a female-driven workforce is being given policy by the government to allow children to choose what gender they are and they don't even have to tell you as a parent. So I know colleagues who have had to pretend to all the other children that two boys were actually two girls and that those boys would actually play in kindergarten that they were looking forward to having an operation. They would say it a lot more in three or four year old terms but this is what's going on. and. If you're a teacher and you're not accepting that, then there's basically a problem with you. So I just want to start the conversation about, firstly, the fact that it's it's actually amazing if you get the opportunity to be a mother, and actually let's raise our girls to put being a mother and being a wife first because they have a biological clock. And... On that note, I would like to actually acknowledge all the young people here today, because I think this is probably the most most amount of young people we've had at any of these events, so give them a round of applause. And he, yeah, hearing Joel's story is amazing, because that free birthing thing is a very powerful thing, and this is about taking our own procreation back into our own hands and like what Richie was touching on about this whole basically a depopulation agenda trying to convince us it's not worthy of having a family and I do see there's been a couple of babies here this evening which has been great to see so um, let's just open that conversation and if you ever need a example of what toxic femininity looks like you don't need to look much further than the Prime Minister of New Zealand Jacinda Ardern <laughs> just drop the mic. Yeah. So, uh, just for clarification, what uh, toxic femininity is, because we all know what toxic masculinity looks like, you know, aggression, violence, all that type of thing, control. Toxic femininity is a lot more um, subtle. It's psychological. It's gaslighting. It's doing all the smiling and the nodding and trying to convince you that what you're saying is right when they're actually lying to you. Day in the life of us. <laughs> You don't believe that, surely. Um, and, yes, yeah, so there's that type of thing. And the coercion, all the coercion, the, the emotional blackmail, that's all female toxic behaviour. And it's time that we start looking at that and it's time that us women start calling each other out on it because there's this other thing that they stop women saying. They call it the sisterhood. 
okay? So they want all of us women to have our little sisterhood and go against our men. Don't, and we'll all sit there and talk badly about men and how dare he if he ever say anything to us because we've got the sisterhood, right? So that's how, another way. We're talking about um, looking at trying to protect ourselves from conditioning. There's this whole new wave of sisterhood language that's been put out into popular culture that we need to warn our young girls about because the most important thing is having a husband, having a family, raising a healthy family and healthy children and freedom. So that's my last word. And I'll address the blokes. You know, it's okay to still be men, okay? It's okay to still be men and stand up for your families. Because at the moment, you're not allowed. You see, the government is a democidal regime trying to kill you. That is just a fact of life. You have the absolute right to self-defense and the defense of those who cannot defend themselves. There's not a statute on the books that can prevent that. Remember that. That is something key that everyone keeps forgetting. If someone's trying to kill you, you have the absolute right to defend yourself by whatever means necessary to alleviate that threat. Just putting it out there. And, and for the police officers that constantly comb over the footage to see if you can get anything on me, I'll say it again. There is nothing you can do to stop us protecting the people you are trying to kill. Now we know there are some good police out there who are internally battling with their own command structure to get someone arrested. It takes just arrest one because the rest will fall like dominoes. That is what we're aiming for. The military have already failed. The enemy's already in the gate. They've taken control. It's up to the cops now to clean up and clean out. If not, let the firemen do it because they actually, let's face it, if you've got something wrong, you call the fire department, they'll be there faster than any cops. They'll probably send a bloody taxi. And most of the uh, firemen, they're volunteers. These people have a heart for the community. They didn't get paid for it, half of them. They actually take time out of their lives to look after you. To me, the firemen deserve a round of applause because they're the heroes. <laughs> Here's another thing you, you ladies have to know about us guys, or real men that is, us real men. I know there's a lot of <laughs> questionable ones out there, but for us real men, we actually get uh, real shitty, we get real um, out of sorts with ourselves if we cannot perform the function of being the man. Let us be men. Stop trying to tell us that we've got to bow. We want to stand up and protect you. Don't try and keep taking the lead because when the rounds come, you'll want us in front. And when they take away everything we have and we cannot feed you, we cannot clothe you, we cannot look after you, we take it out on you because you're a mirror. You're a mirror that shines back in our inadequacy. And this is what the government's taking away from everyone. They're taking away our ability to look after you. And that's some shit, I don't, not, I don't stand for that. And the more they try to tell us to shut up, the more we're gonna speak. And the more they threaten us, the more we'll raise the middle finger and say, fuck you. We ain't gonna stop. Now, police and uh, the police, remember, I know you've, a lot of you serving officers have spoken to us afterwards and all that. Arrest someone. We have all the evidence. Go to the lawyer speaking out with science. Go to the doctor speaking out with science. Go to the, uh, the 
teacher speaking up the science. They're all there. They all have the evidence. Finds his own documents, convicts the government. So arrest someone. If I can be arrested and pulled off the street for a suspected breach, these people can for democide. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much for coming. Really appreciate it. And and give yourselves a drink. Have a good drink. Those who are not alcohol raging alcoholics, go and beat up your wife. Don't do that. That's not a good idea. Uh, or ladies, don't get on the wine and start smashing your man around. But uh, drink sensibly and all that. Apparently, I've got to say that, Chip. And thank you. Thank you to all our team. Thank you to our great MC over there. And all of those who have helped us, even Chris Dunstan, cannot forget him. And all the people, Rob, Lynn, Angela, and that. Thank you guys very, very, very much. What else do you want to say? And just if you want to go and check out the bus, check out the bus because we've had a lot of people helping us. We've had. Um, the plumber and gas fitter come today all the way from Nelson, um, and it's just been amazing. Thank you, every single one of you who's made a donation. Um, what else are we saying? Oh, yes, if you could please still go and, and grab a raffle, and then we'll, we should actually draw it before everybody goes home. Otherwise, um, Rachel can get in touch with you, and you can pick it up from Rachel. Um, and please, yeah, give generously if you can, and thank you to all those of you that already have, and uh, to everybody watching the live stream, thank you for tuning in. And um, please, please go and sign up, counterspinmedia.com, for our newsletter, because they are taking down some of our social media. Is anybody here with an extra account? Because um, extra accounts are no longer actually getting through, getting our emails, they're because they're us. now blocking extra. So this is how they're starting to get around things. They can't block necessarily all of your emails, but maybe try a Proton account, or um, just for this sake, maybe try and try a Gmail account. Not that I recommend it, but yeah, counterspinmedia.com, stay in touch with us. And uh, if some of the places in New Zealand get their way, we may be coming back on the tour 2.0 very soon. So let's see. Hopefully we'll see you soon. You can find Counterspin, New Zealand's media revolution at counterspinmedia.com. And now on the InfoWars network at band.video.